0: Hi, welcome to Tales from the Doghouse. I'm Stacy with Focused Fun, and I am in the U.S.
1: guys my name's lisa i'm over in the uk and i run the complete canine online and you can find me on facebook
2: and i'm ness jones i run separation anxiety in dogs uh, decoded and i am in australia and today we're talking about the do's and don'ts of training a dog with separation anxiety But before we start, um, I wanted to apologize to you guys because I felt really terrible last week when I, we did our very first podcast, which was very exciting. Um, and Lisa, you had the most amazing monkey. <laughs> Stacey, you had a fantastic elephant. And I just felt dreadful because I didn't have an animal noise. So today oh. I wanted to share with you my animal noise. I haven't practiced this at all. <laughs> I mean, at all. So, uh, are you ready to hear my animal noise? And maybe you could guess what my animal noise is. Oh, you're not even going to tell us what it is. No, is it a guess? It's, it's a, a, tiger, a tiger.
0: <laughs> no. All right, you ready? Okay, ready? Meow. <laughs> yeah. It's a tiger. Mount, is it a mountain lion?
2: Yeah, it is. It's a baby
1: mountain lion.
0: Right, that's it. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. It's a
1: parrot, it's a parrot pretending to be a cat. <laughs> night? <Nice.
0: laughs>
2: i like it all right like so it. i'm part of, am i part of the club now that's the most important you are thing. you, you oh. have always been part of
0: the club now so.
2: <laughs> all right training do's and don'ts for dogs with
0: separation anxiety who wants to start well let's start with the don'ts so we can end on a positive which which is a style my style so let's do um let's go around and and just kind of hit on some stuff that we've experienced or run into. Um, For me, one of the huge, huge, huge don'ts is um, collars. So I'm talking about like the citronella collars, the bark collars, the e-collars. Adversives have no place in dog training, but especially with separation anxiety, um, adding fear to a situation where the dog is already fearful doesn't make any sense. Um, And interestingly, one of the main reasons I became a dog trainer was because I was working with a rescue and I um, had a foster dog named Piper and um, she had separation anxiety. So I was trying to um, help her become, <laughs> I see I have a fan club over there, Ness.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, can you hear that? I shall mute. Yeah, a little bit, but it's okay, like it.
0: It's, it's <laughs> nice ambiance. Okay. Um, yeah.
2: The dogs are just having a little play wrestle on the yeah, bed <laughs>
0: yeah that's
2: great um anyways hyper had separation
0: anxiety and so i was trying to figure out how to help her um feel safer being home alone so i i went to the trainer that the rescue used and um he said that i should put a shock collar on her and a bar collar on her and lock her in a crate and that if she vocalized the bar collar would, you know, shock her. Um, but if she scratched at the crate or tried to do anything else that I thought was unacceptable as far as behavior goes, then I was to shock her. And if that doesn't, wouldn't work, I was to turn up the shock and shock her again. Um, needless to say, um, that just didn't work for me. Um, You know, she was so afraid. Um, She was so afraid to even be in a crate, but she was so afraid um, already without those added, um, painful stimulations that I, I just knew there had to be a better way to train her. Um, so that's one of my big ones is, is shock collars. Do you guys have other ones?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, over in the UK, I feel that we probably don't use shock collars that much. I say, I might be being naive there, Although certainly the citronella collar, as an anti-bark collar, is used quite a lot. Um, And yeah, that sounds quite horrific, Stacey, that that anybody would think that that was the right thing to do.
2: I mean, Um, how you could cause pain um, for a fearful dog, just it doesn't, the the dogs don't join up, do they? Like, it just just doesn't make any sense. If your dog's already terrified, why would you make it even more terrified?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's shocking. And, and thankfully, um, you know, we need to get the word out that, as you said, aversives of any sort, but particularly wow. shock collars or any type of collar thing like that is just, mm-hmm. it's just not, it's just not necessary. Okay, so for me, um, I, I am quite interested in what people think about food and, and using food. I really like
2: food. I particularly like ice cream, chocolate. I um, do too. Cake, you know, donuts. Don't, yeah. You know, Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'd probably most
1: and obviously in our positive training we use food all the time and we're training our dogs um, so it would seem really just second nature to use food when we're doing separation anxiety training as well and I think um, some trainers do and and they would use it in a sort of counter conditioning way which means to change the emotion of the dog so that the dog Associate being on its own with something nice, uh, and that seems to make sense. Um, and so, a lot of clients that I've spoken to say things like, "Well, I give them a Kong, a stuffed Kong, and I try and make it a Kong that's going to last for a long time, um, uh, and then then they'll be okay." And um, so, really, what I want to say is that food isn't really necessary. I am um, in the; it's not an aversive for sure. But it doesn't really have any effect in that, first of all, the many dogs, if they're nervous and anxious, they just won't eat. It's part of um, our body's reaction to anxiety, just the same as just before uh, you go to the dentist or something, then you are <coughs> nervous. The last thing you actually need to do is eat a donut.
2: Mm, um, the, digestive, the digestive system shuts down.
1: Absolutely, so mm. often what a dog will do if he's anxious and you give him food, he'll do one or two things. He'll either completely ignore it um, or if he's a real food motivated dog, he'll bolt it down as quick as he can, just as you're locking the door and going out and getting in your car <laughs> and then he'll sit there and worry. So he's eating it, but he's eating it in record time. Um, so it doesn't really have any effect um, on, your, on the actual training itself. And I think so many people really do think that's, that's the secret. Just give them puzzle toys galore. And puzzle toys and things are fab under every, many other circumstances. But when it comes to separation anxiety, it's just not, it's of no benefit. Um, and likewise, the other thing is when people come back in, uh, they want to give their dog a treat as well. Uh, which is it's the same sort of thing. I'm not quite sure how you feel about that. Do you think when we do, do come back in from the dog being on its own, what is that noise? Is that your mouse impression? <laughs> <laughs> yes, stop being a mouse. I can hear you being a mouse. <laughs> oh gosh, mate. Anyway. When you come back in from having been out do you think you should give your dog um, food or greet it in an exuberant manner or do you think that's not worth it either?
2: what do you think well about? it's hard not to greet your dog in an exuberant yeah. manner but no it's probably not a great idea I don't I don't think you should ignore them necessarily but maybe just be a little bit more neutral um, and you know hey how's it going but not hey fluffy I'm so <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, it's hard it's hard not to do that I mean my dog doesn't have separation anxiety and she does greet me uh she greets him far more affectionately than, than any human and I have to say <laughs> I, I tend to hold her back but then she doesn't have any anxiety whatsoever so I don't feel too bad for that mm-hmm. you, you do a bit of a dance a bit of a waltz around the kitchen yeah <laughs> Okay, okay, Ness, what do you think about- uh, Oh, wait, one,
0: take- one more thing oh. on the food thing. Um, and we, when we talk about using food for counter conditioning, I think, and this is a little bit geeky, but mm-hmm. I think the big problem with separation anxiety training and using food is that you've got the order wrong, right? So what we usually see is presentation of the scary thing at you know, a low level of scariness um followed by the really great thing um and and then you do those presentations over and over until your dog starts having a more positive emotional response to the scary thing but here what we're doing is giving them the good thing and then exposing them to the scary thing which is us leaving so in that case the food can start predicting your absence right and so um i've had clients with dogs where they give them a kong when they go to leave and then their and their dog used to in the beginning eat the kong um but then they started saying okay the kong is predicting the absence so now i'm I'm starting to get nervous when you give me the kong it's like a pre-departure cue for sure that's a good point yeah so that's just like another reason why, why I don't think food is operating in the way people think it's operating. Um, I think there is a time if your dog will eat food um, and you have an emergency where you cannot for some reason um, find coverage and you have to leave your dog for longer than you think and say, you know, it takes them 30 minutes to get through a Kong, a frozen Kong and you, you need to be gone for 30 minutes. And and so I wouldn't consider that training, but I would consider that you know managing the panic so that your dog didn't have a negative experience there um, because that negative experience will have set back your training, but at least you're protecting your training <clears throat> in that way, but you're also not growing in any way either. Um, so it's kind of like a, a neutral experience. What do you guys think of that?
1: Yeah, yeah no, course. it's a good point, Ty. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say about the counter conditioning because that made me think of something else. What would you think about when you have, you know, these automatic feeders that you can control? So if talking about when you deliver the treat, so if you were to be watching your dog and had an automatic feeder that you can control remotely, that's going to bang out a sausage, do you think there's any merit in that that when you see the dog is anxious first and then you bang a sausage out at its face. <laughs> do you think that, in, in a way of trying to produce a counter conditioning effect, of in, oh, hooray, there's a sausage swap, the,
2: swap the fear. So you got the fear and the food, So instead Of the food and the fear, you got the fear and the food, is what you're saying. Yeah,
1: it's that good. is. I'm not. So do you think that that is, has any merit?
0: Um, there might be situations where that has merit. So I'm not going to say no across the board but also, you know, isn't our goal to be able to leave our dog and not have to watch the camera the whole time, right? I agree. So if we're, if we're, Using an automatic feeder, or if we're talking our to our dog through the camera—that was or the other one
2: I was going to think about. Yeah, the the talking to it. How appropriate it is talking to your dog through right. The camera? Right. So,
0: like all of those things. Well, first of all, some dogs get really freaked out when you talk to them yeah. through, through the camera, <laughs> right. or or even those treat dispensers can freak some dogs out. So you have to like, if you're going to use those things, make sure you test it ahead of time so you're not. Um, pulling out a bad experience for your dog. But, you know, like for me, you just have to have your end goal in sight. So if my goal is to be able to leave my dog confidently without looking at a camera and without having to, you know, set up my food dispenser to dispense a piece of kibble every 30 seconds or whatever it is, um, then I'm gonna train, you know in a different way than if I'm keeping my eyes glued to the camera.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's just, it's just a useful thing to think about as trainers, because a lot of, well, I think there's not using food, which is what, you know, the method that all three of us use, we don't use food. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of other trainers and, and owners, but trainers particularly who understand the principle of using food, they, mm-hmm. they find that hard to get their heads around that. Like, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: cool. Good
2: stuff. So I, I wanted to tell you about uh, quite, what I think is quite horrific, um, uh, a client came to me and um, they had been talking to another trainer who had suggested some pretty, what I think is pretty mean stuff to the dog. So so this dog's an inside dog, gets walked every day, goes to the beach, has a great time, does a little bit of training with the owner, um, and but has separation anxiety. And she approached a trainer who said to... Keep the dog outside, so no more inside dogs, <clears throat> no more walking, no more playing, no more obedience training. So, therefore, no more ex, um, exercise and enrichment, which, as we discussed last week, we know is quite important for dogs with separation anxiety. Um, and then to chuck it outside in a pen, um, and it's a raw fed dog, but here, yeah, no more raw feeding Chuck <laughs> it outside in a pen put a bowl of kibble on the outside of the pen where the dog can smell it but can't get to it and don't feed it and that was the training and that owner was not to feed that dog until that trainer said that she could and who knows how long that was going to take and that was going to cure this dog's separation anxiety so no no excitement no uh sorry not no excitement no enrichment no exercise no training no being with the owner and no food basically for x y who knows how long um yeah but luckily she she went as far as getting the pen and then she went wait a second this isn't Mm -hmm. me this isn't how i want to treat my dog it's cruel so anyway she reached out to me and happy ending but um i just i can't wrap my head around somebody that would consider that a useful um, way of treating separation anxiety but
1: I can't can't think of it as as a useful thing for anything at all anything
2: I know why (laughs) would you not exercise (laughs) a dog for starters and why would you not give it and provide it with enrichment I'm trying to understand the mindset of of
1: that particular trainer in that I just I actually can't understand quite what they were trying to achieve is this is this I have no idea is they're just trying to
0: break the dog or yeah i don't i i kind of wonder two things i the first thing i wonder is you know kind of that whole line of thinking that the dog is doing it out of spite or like we know that's not true but i wonder if this trainer felt like that was true and then taking away all its privileges creature comforts or positive things in the dog's life would then make them be like oh okay you know I don't know um so like grounding your kid or something
2: and, and taking it yeah yeah off the a little shit. taking its xbox yeah pretty much
1: <laughs> but, even, but even with a child I mean you, you'd feed it wouldn't you I mean I might
2: not, <laughs> kid. you No, you would put it in its room and you would leave a bowl of, um, of kibble Something a kid hates. I don't know. No, know, no not, 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 cauliflower not, slice yeah. of bread with no butter.
1: A cauliflower, um the <laughs> yeah. it for his PlayStation, but not the actual PlayStation, just a really annoying <laughs> 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 well, we guess, But no, obviously all those things that you said, Ness, were just utterly awful. And um, I mean, thank God that she came to you.
2: It's uh, borderline cruel. Honestly, I think it's actually
0: very great. I don't even do think that. it's borderline cruel. I just oh, think yeah. it's straight up straight yeah. up cruel. Because in addition to all of the things that, you know, we really feel like are necessary for a dog, the the enrichment, the exercise, the food, um in addition to the dog not having access to those things, the dog is also panicking. Right? Yeah. Because it's alone. So it's having a panic attack. And, um, you know, I'm assuming that the, the trainer has also asked the person to stay away from the outside pen. So, you know, it's like having a panic attack and heartbreaking. But in talking
2: about other things that trainers do, I mean, or sorry, not trainers, but things that the don'ts that we're talking about, uh, one of them is a uh, very traditional one in training is um, picking up keys, putting on shoes, picking up keys, carrying them around the house, putting them down picking up your handbag, you know, carrying it around the house, putting it down, picking it up, putting it down, picking it up, picking it down, picking it up, putting it down. You get the story. Uh, And same with certain types of shoes that signal that the owner's leaving, all that sort of stuff. Um, That is uh, largely a don't because um, if the dog sees those cues um, and is already panicked by those cues, then, um, you know, we know that that's not going to make the situation worse because the dog's going to see you doing that and go shit oh sorry I didn't swear I did not swear <laughs> I said and shush say,
1: Shish, <laughs> up. Up and say shush shush
2: and the, anyway <laughs> anyway um yes so the dog's actually going to go more get become more panicked rather than less panicked and I don't think that's sure. that's you know traditional training is uh that's yeah, I,
1: I agree. Departure cues, which is what all of those things are, is something that we would normally, and that is something that I would normally have tackled first, or as well as doing desensitization, straight away, straight from the back. You think, right, okay, we're going to have to think about, you know, you putting your coat on or picking up your keys. And of course, as you rightly say, what actually happens is, is we make the dog more sensitive to those cues by just constantly messing on with the keys or whatever, whether we're going out or not, they just become really programmed into looking at those keys and waiting for you to pick them up, which is exactly the opposite. to one. Mm-hmm. So for, for, for us, we, we tend to put the, the departure cue training right at the end of the training, or sort of you know, a good way into the training once, once the dog is sort of happy, maybe being alone 15, 20 minutes comfortably, and, and then we'll, we'll or even
2: looking. longer even longer yeah, or, yeah the longer yeah. the better and yeah. and what what we find also when we do that is that often they cease to have meaning to the dog by that time yeah.
0: which saves us the job right because yeah because keys aren't scary because they're keys they're only scary because they predict scary absences um yeah. and so once we kind of break that connection for the dog you know and and teach them how to be, home alone and and content with that um then the presentation of the keys oftentimes is no biggie um you know sometimes you still do have to work on it but it's not with the same emotion behind it as as if we tried to tackle it on the front end
1: what about the positive cue of i'm going out how how do you feel about giving them the cue of i'm going out and it's okay and it's safe
2: well just actually uh, interestingly enough I um tell my dogs when I'm going shopping that I'm going hunting. Wow, get you. <laughs> <laughs> hunting for food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they, you know, they understand hunting. They don't really understand shopping obviously because they're dogs. So yeah, they right, appreciate right. that.
0: Yeah, I, I could imagine. Yeah. Especially <laughs> your lot. <laughs> <laughs> and what? you <laughs>
1: Do you come back in with a Dio over your shoulder? Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> and blood dripping <laughs> down my face, yeah. Um. Um, yeah. There was a study, two studies, um, one in 2014, I think, and then one just this year that yep. talked about predictability and anxiety. We yes. um, link those in the show notes. But um, basically, um, that it, it helps the dog you know, in a fearful situation to know what's going to happen, right? So a lot of what we would recommend is when you're leaving for a safe absence, you would say, you know, be right back, or I'll be home soon, or I'm going hunting, or, you know, whatever um, works for your situation. Um, And then when the dog is coming with you, you can use another cue. Like for me, when I leave, I'll say, to Rowan, um, be right back. Love you so much. And then when I <laughs> when you, he's darling. coming with me, <laughs> um, when he's coming with me, I just um, put his collar on. Like he doesn't wear yes. his collar the rest of the time. So then oh, he knows, you know, am I come. Yeah, he is naked. Yeah, mine are naked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is taking uh, a turn for the worse now, girls. Go on, clean up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's a really good thing <laughs> i do i do the same when when i when my dog's coming with me then um the, her collar goes on because she's really yeah. new the rest of the time <laughs> and, yeah i say uh, i love you babe and give her a big snog when i'm going out and leaving <laughs> her <laughs>
2: uh but but is that i mean you know we don't really want to make too much fuss of our dogs when we're leaving either
1: no we don't but again as i said my dog my dog does i'm very fortunate she doesn't have support yeah yeah, so
2: fair enough. Yeah. It's, it's hard
0: not to just hug
1: her really because she's <laughs> <for it. laughs> fair enough. <laughs>
0: okay, Go on, Stacey. Um, another training don't is um board and trains. Like, oh, so, oh. um, we see that come up. So, well, two things with that one, um, board what board and train means is that you send your dog to the trainer and they train them while the dog is staying there. Um, and yeah. then they give them back, right? So um, number one, just always be wary of board and train. Make sure that the trainer that you're using is using positive methods, science-based methods. Um, that's not true for all trainers. And I think um, a disproportionate amount of board and trained trainers are um, Use aversive. So just make sure that you are aware of what type of training that the trainer is using for that. But more importantly, or as equally as important, (laughs) is that um, since dogs don't generalize well, the trainer could build up some duration at their training facility. But then when the dog goes back to your house, that um, training. Um, might not you know yeah. carry over for the dog, so you know board and train is is usually a lot of money, um, and it's just not something that would work very well for separation anxiety. So, um, I would I would choose a different method for training.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, mm, I mean, board sure. and
1: train. There are. I mean, I know one or two trainers that do. uh, Trainers that I know are really good trainers, and they do Mm -hmm. board and train, but not not for separation anxiety. More more for for more general stuff. To be fair, you know, they might go there and and learn to walk on a lead correctly, and and, you know, house manners and stuff like that. But um, Mm -hmm. separation anxiety—it's counterproductive because, as you said, they'll just go home and it's a different house, so they'll, they'll just go back to how they were more than likely.
2: And remembering also that uh, even if they're with their owners and the owner moves house and takes the dog, that the, the training can go backwards for that dog. The dog might be fine and or might yeah. have had issues, then come good. And then they've moved house and they've suddenly digressed. Digressed? Digressed. Mm-hmm. What? Regressed regressed, regressed. Yeah, that's 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 what I was saying um <laughs> oops hey look it's early in the morning here just because you guys are ready for bed and cruising through the afternoon <laughs> um, excuse me um, my brain still hasn't kicked in I need another coffee um yeah so so if that is if they're like that with their owner you know taking them to a board and train for separation anxiety is get yeah, counterproductive it's not going to help for Sure,
0: right. for sure for sure yeah.
1: sure
0: yeah. okay all right what, what didn't we cover
1: uh i think we've covered an awful lot we've got great
0: crates yes
1: Crate or out of a crate use a crate or don't use a crate i mean crates a big topic to be fair
2: yeah but that's yeah. definitely a, a separate podcast but um i just had was contacted yesterday by somebody um whose dog in the crate, well, I, I think we've all heard these cases where the dog, um, if they're left in the crate, just destroys it and then they come out and, well, the owner gets home and the dog is covered in wounds because it's been so frantically trying to escape the crate. Um, so and why don't that-
0: we just use a stronger crate? I'm, I'm being a devil's advocate no, here. It's devil what does. I believe
1: in. I can see your <laughs> horns growing from here. It's terrible. <laughs> A little forked tail of yours (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, why not not just use a stronger crate keep the keep him in
2: you know it's a confinement issue isn't it yeah panic you're gonna panic more they often do better outside of a crate and that's the thing the owners are fearful that if they leave them out they're going to destroy the house but that's where the training comes in with the camera making sure they don't go over threshold
1: I always say to my clients, you know, if if, if you had a panic attack, panic attack, and I ask them, have you had a panic attack? Because many people have, and I said, if you're in the middle of a panic attack, and I put you in your wardrobe and close the door, you think you'd feel better? Like, no, obviously not, because that's the absolute last thing that you want is to be somewhere confined. And once you put it like that, people go, oh yeah, well, I get that. Obviously, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think getting yeah. across the fact that your dog is having a panic attack. It's exactly that, that is what is happening. And that's a big one for a lot of people because they don't think of it like that. They just think of it, you know, the dog just doesn't know how to be on its own when I'm not there. But you, when you think it's physiologically going into <laughs> hyperdrive, the last thing you're going to do is put it in its cage. Mm. Um, that's not to say that some, some dogs are okay in the cage and they'll be okay when you're in the house in their cage, you know, they'll sleep in the cage quite comfortably at night. Um, so the cage could still be part of its repertoire. But when you're leaving it alone and doing home alone training, most are better outside. They can be, it's the best thing to do is to find a, a room if necessary to, to put them in. that They are safe in. So maybe, you know, the kitchen because they can't chew anything in there or whatever. Um, They don't have to have free reign of the house if that's not
2: convenient. And that is really brings me to an interesting point. I was contacted yesterday by somebody who uh, said when they leave their dog outside, that the dog is, you know, tries to escape, jumps the fence, destroys things, et cetera, et cetera. But the dog was fine inside. And then I got a message saying we spoke too soon. The dogs just jumped out of a second story window. Wow. so they thought the dog was safe in the house but uh yeah obviously not so i, I don't know if the dog's okay oh they actually I, do, I lied they did say that the dog is um okay but yeah but could have gone really badly yeah, wow. yeah. and is yeah. this a dog that is, is
1: training with you or or
2: not yet or no they're part of my facebook group separation and anxiety in dogs decoded if anybody wants to join it um but yes, so they're not training with me, but I have offered them a, a to chat via Zoom so that maybe we can uh, make sure they're on the right track. Because apparently they are training, but I don't know what that training looks like. So right. at this stage, we'll find yeah. out, hopefully. Mm. Oh, bless. Yeah, yeah beautiful looking window. dog too. Yeah,
1: well, he won't be if he keeps jumping out of a second floor window. Mm, mm. <laughs> it's gonna be a flat face. Yeah, dog. that's scary. Mm yeah we're gonna round up with what we do what what is the main thing that we do what is the thing that we do
0: to help these dogs? what do we do um okay first step first step i always encourage a conversation with the vet yeah that's my, my my especially
2: yeah. because pain can add if they're in some sort of pain we, if there's something pain going on, on the owner's not aware yeah. of
0: and it can actually yeah increase that anxiety and behavioral mm-hmm. issues or um if there's like a late onset separation anxiety it can be a whole host of things yeah. for like a senior dog yeah um, <clears throat> so that i i always like to start and um if we find that you know medication might be a good fit for the dog the conversation even if that's not something that happens initially. The conversation has started. Your vet is aware that your dog has a problem with being home alone and that's at least the groundwork is laid. Yeah. So that's that would be like my first step. That would be my first step
1: too. And my second mm. step would be getting a really great trainer. Um and I think Do you know any? Uh, <laughs> do you know not many? Me, it's, it's me, and, and 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 there's me. What, what about us? <laughs> 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 can, can, is that someone else in the distance there? I don't know. Yeah, no, obviously I'm just being silly. But yeah, no, um, getting some help. You know, people try to do this on their own and, and and they it's it's not easy to do. The whole training for separation anxiety, it's a it's a journey and it takes a long time. In fact, it's something that's possibly with you for as long as you've got that dog. It's almost like having a, an, an alcoholic dog that even when <coughs> they're not drinking whiskey. There's always a potential that they could, could drink whiskey. And that's the same with, oh my gosh. with the it's all, it's there. It's like, a. it's genetically in there more than likely and that it needs to be managed. And so it's going to take a long time. And I think a lot of owners just think, Oh, you know, we'll get this done in a couple of months because I'm going back to work. Mm. Or
2: um, yeah.
1: To even quicker than that. So, and, and unfortunately, um, it's it's taking at least at least a year if not longer
2: and well the thing about that if a dog's got dog aggression they don't expect to fix it in a month or two you know most people most owners realize that it takes time but apparently with separation anxiety they don't and I don't really understand the thinking behind that because they're both you know based in emotion it's not based in a it's not Mm. teaching it's not like teaching a sit you could do that in five minutes but they're both aggression and fear are based in and usually in an emotional state so it's you know it's a lot longer to train it's for sure yeah yeah
0: so vet get a great trainer yeah um Uh, so so why besides that it's a i usually use the it's not a sprint it's a marathon analogy but the alcoholic one that works That's great it does that, that's really I, I hadn't thought of it that way but that that works um but why else besides that it's kind of a long haul um why else do you think that it's important to have a trainer on your side
2: um things like symptoms i um, sorry signs the signs the subtle signs that owners maybe aren't aware of um i mean they know their dog best obviously they're um they're the ones that spend the most time with their dogs but they may not know those underlying uh, signs of stress that the dog's exhibiting, um, and therefore the dog's uh, going over threshold, or about to go over threshold, and yeah, they that's it's, unless they know what they're looking for, they they may not be able to uh, address the situation before it happens. If you know what I mean.
0: Um, it may be similar to what we were talking about with the pre-departure cues, is that um, you know. Y- Our goal in desensitization is exposing the dog to an absence that they can feel comfortable in. Um, But if you push it too far, then you're just repeatedly exposing your dog to an absence that they're uncomfortable with, um, even if they're not having a full-blown panic (coughs) attack that still kind of goes on the negative side of the scale. So you could be sensitizing your dog or making them, you know, worse essentially, um, by the training you're doing, even when you're meaning, you know, to to do something really positive there.
1: I think working with a trainer is, no matter what it is you're doing, whether it's with your dog, or whether you're trying to keep fit, or whatever, it just makes all the difference in the world. I've got a client at the moment who's been with me um, about three, four weeks, that's all, and she's never done anything like any type of training at all with her dog. And when I think of her in the in the first week, her timing, and timing is crucial in all dog training. It, it's what, it makes a massive difference. And it's no different to this. It's the timing of being able to see what dog's emotions are by its actions and seeing right. that at the right time. And when um, my client first started working with me, I mean, we do a lot of video swaps. Well, she'll send me a video and I'll watch it. And then I'll get back with her and say, let's watch this together. And it's not mm-hmm. necessarily mm-hmm. always the dog that we're watching. It's actually her as well. And how mm-hmm. she is doing the training herself. And doing that, watching yourself training your dog is massive. What how you, The stuff that you learn from that as mm-hmm. a client and having the trainer saying, look, can you see when you did this, he did that type of thing. Right. Is right. really, really powerful. It's um, huge. And that, it is huge. And it makes all, it really makes all the difference in the mm. world. And uh, uh, also another reason to have a trainer, particularly with separation anxiety, is that coaching element in that it, it is, you know, you have ups and downs, you really do. And you need somebody outside of that that can keep you motivated and keep you going show you where you can do things well and give you a big pat on the back when you're doing things really great and um that's again that that's worth the money itself in in truth
2: yeah yeah Yeah, because training's not um a straight line is it it's uh as you say it's like a wave pattern you go a gradually increasing wave pattern so yeah and i don't think owners are like well he did 20 minutes today, sorry, yesterday, but he's only managed five today and you know, that's heartbreaking for them, but they, that's why, yeah, as you say, a coach to get them through those times and help them understand Mm -hmm. that, that it's not always going to be smooth sailing, but it's okay, that it's okay that it's gone backwards.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably one of the most challenging parts of training is the variability, which is totally normal, but also, you know, a little bit at discouraging, really. Um, okay, so the training is gradual exposure or desensitization, as we talked about. And then, um, what are the other things that we ask clients to do? Camera, <clears throat> camera for sure. Um, managing absences, so not leaving your dog dog longer than they can can be comfortable, right? So we don't wanna train um, here and then be also leaving them to panic um, regularly or really at all. Um, so we wanna do that. Um, what else? Desensitization
1: is, is our main gig. As you said, we, mm-hmm. we help the, the owners manage the situation, um, put things in place to train, we keep motivated, We deal with the departure cues later on in the um, process.
0: What else do we do? I guess another, uh, you know, there's always other things that can affect how well training is going. So then that would be a um, individualized plan for that person. Like, for example, if the dogs were (laughs) sensitive to environmental sounds or if we felt like, well, maybe there's also frustration in there. Um, And so we might deal with that piece of it separately, or if we felt like it's a, you know, a dog that's maybe not getting enough exercise and enrichment, we would address that. But I think, you know, the mainstay for separation anxiety itself would be, you know, talk to the vet, get a camera, manage absences, work, you know, work with your trainer to, with the gradual exposure stuff.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, the desensitization part, that, that is the heart of it. And, and that mm-hmm. is your best, your best chance of, of, of solving your problem with separation anxiety. And if you work with a trainer that has got a plan to do that logically, sensibly, and with lots of fun and motivation thrown in as well, then that is your best gig. And, and that's what we all do because that's, that is how we have been taught to tackle separation anxiety, and we both right. will, you know, occur to that, um, and, I'm, and I have to admit, I, I've, I have yet to see anybody else's type style of training succeed as well as as what I've seen happening with people using this method, which is brilliant. Which well, is and I it's do.
0: also what the it's also what the science says. Like the studies show that you know, um, medication alone does does not fix the problem, Um, desensitization alone can fix the problem, you know, medication and desensitization together are kind of, you know, the smoothest way forward or the fastest way forward. So, you know, I'm not saying medication is appropriate for every case. um, But And that is definitely a subject
2: for another podcast as well, medication.
0: Yes, Uh, yes
2: what works, what doesn't, and why owners um, are fearful, or maybe that's not the right word, but why owners uh, fight back, push back about using medication. Mm-hmm. Sure, which, which yeah. I, I
1: would have been in that situation myself before.
2: But that is, let's
1: not open that can of worms. No, no, let's not. <laughs>
2: <Keep> <laughs> another another episode, yeah, down the track. <laughs>
1: Okay, I think I think we should wrap it up, guys. Are I do done? too. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think we must be there. Yeah. Yes. Tales okay. from the Doghouse, episode two, done and <laughs> dusted. Done you and dusted. can like us on your favorite listening app. We're not quite on Apple yet, but we will be in the next few days. Um, and but we're on Spotify and on our websites as well. If you're looking for us, please subscribe, like us, follow us, and share us with your friends.
1: Yay! Do it now. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want me to do a monkey too? <laughs> yes. I <Are you> <laughs> See? Monkey. Monkey. Fantastic.
2: Lovely. So, See so. you next time, everybody.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.